Or in... This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The spokesman of the Orthodox Church of Ukraine had harsh words for Russian President Vladimir Putin, calling him the Antichrist and likening him to Adolf Hitler. He said Putin is really not Messiah, but really Antichrist of our current time. A spokesman for the Ukrainian Orthodox Church said he is anti-Christ because everything what he does, everything he does now is totally against the gospel and against God's law. He said that the spirit of the anti-Christ operates in the leader of Russia. Well, Vladimir Putin is not the anti-Christ, I can assure you. That's not guesswork. That's based upon the authority of Scripture. No, the Bible doesn't mention Vladimir Putin, but it does tell us the characteristics of the Antichrist. In fact, it may very well be that Vladimir Putin is against Christ, is anti-Christ, but he is not the Antichrist because he does not match very many of the descriptions given in the Bible. But he certainly is producing a lot of division. He's producing a lot of division, not only in Russia, where somewhere around 12,000 people have been arrested just for protesting his activities when they dared to do so, when most would not even dare to do so because they consider him a tyrant. Well, the Antichrist will be a tyrant, but he will not gain the kingdom by tyrannical behavior. The Bible says he will gain the kingdom by flattery. In other words, he's going to tell people what they want to hear, just like many of the pastors in America today, telling the people want to, what they want to hear, following the Burger King mantra, got to give the people what they want, have it your way. Well, Vladimir Putin doesn't see things that way. He says, no, uh, that's not the way we're going to do things around here. And he apparently has the backing of the uh, head of the Russian Orthodox Church. In fact, he is in deep sync with the uh, leadership of the Russian Orthodox Church. They're almost as if they are the uniting of church and state. That's a very interesting picture there. But in terms of the divisions that are taking place, not only across the world, in the Western world, from Russia and from China, and also the division occurring between Russians and Ukrainians now, there is this pattern of division that is taking place everywhere. And the pattern of division is, in fact, anti-Christ. That's right. The pattern of the divisions that are taking place is anti-Christ. Not the anti-Christ, but anti-Christ. Therefore, we can assure ourselves, or be assured, that the Antichrist will ultimately embrace many of the positions of those who are anti-Christ. Not the Antichrist, but anti-Christ. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at a variety of circumstances that are taking place right now before our eyes. 
We're not going to talk about Ukraine anymore. We're not going to talk about Vladimir Putin anymore. No, we're going to take a look at what's happening even in the church. We're going to take a look at what's happening in our schools, in our universities. Yes, even so-called Christian universities, where the spirit of anti-Christ is prevailing. It's divide and conquer, friends. The Bible talks about a remnant. It talks about a small group of people that ultimately will be the true followers of Jesus Christ and will be received by him. But what is that remnant? How is that remnant being formed? How would you even identify with that remnant? Well, perhaps one of the easiest ways to identify with the remnant is to identify those who are anti-Christ. Now, that may be a tough calling in a cancel culture in which the very act of taking an anti-Christ position is deemed to be unloving, hateful, destructive, dangerous, and worthy of even criminal prosecution. Yes, that is exactly the case. So we want to take a look at how a remnant becomes a remnant. How is it that the remnant church becomes the remnant? That's what we're going to take a look at here on Viewpoint today. So I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. I remember vividly back when I was, oh, 8 to 12 years of age in Fresno, California. In Fresno, California, hot as blazes in the summer, Every week on Saturday, my mother and father would take us in the family car, all seven of us, five children and two adults, and would take us without air conditioning downtown Fresno. Now, in downtown Fresno, there was a little store, a fabric store. It was a remnant fabric store. And that's the reason my mother wanted to go there, because we had very little money. My father pastored small churches. We were pastoring a home mission church there in Fresno, California. And uh, my mother, who was an expert seamstress, would make our clothes. She would make our my sister's clothes. She would even make my suit, uh, the boys' suits and shirts and so on. She was amazing. But in order to be able to do that with almost no money, she had to be able to find fabric that she could afford to prepare a garment for pennies on the dollar. And so she made her way to the remnant store. Now, what is it about a remnant store that is so fantastic? Well, if you have eyes to see the value in the remnant, It becomes very fantastic because the remnant is the small amount of fabric that's left on the bolt or when the rest of the fabric from the bolt is already gone and the rest of it is just folded up in small pieces and it's sold for pennies on the dollar. In other words, we would say it was dirt cheap. The interesting thing is that a remnant goes for such a small amount of money because it's held at such little value. 
such little value compared to the fabric on the bolt. Very few people would be willing to go and spend the time necessary to identify the remnant or would even have eyes to see the value of a piece of fabric or the remnant. It's just more difficult. But God sees the value of a remnant. In fact, the Bible tells us that that is really ultimately what he does see. He sees the remnant. The remnant of what? The remnant of people, human beings, and particularly those who seem to be followers of the way, but ultimately fell away, leaving a very small group that nobody else values. We'll talk about that group. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're defining a remnant and taking a look at some of the unbelievable dynamics that are taking place in our world, not over there in Russia necessarily, but all over the world. It is division, division, division. The peoples of the planet are being divided and then also united. United according to plans that God had foretold via the prophets, but also divided in order to get to that point. For instance, we see how Ukraine became the catalyst then for the uniting of Western Europe, which is the resurrecting Roman Empire, as defined by the book by the prophet Daniel, the final great world empire, particularly the Western world. You see, it was necessary for something to happen to divide in order for that group of nations to be united, to be seen as valuable or united for a particular purpose. And that purpose, ultimately, will be to form a one-world government that will be godless. That one-world government will be made up of these Western nations. In the EU, we have 27 nations, less the UK, which withdrew from the UK, but is also part of NATO. We have 30 nations in NATO. We have 44 nations, as I recall, in the Mediterranean Union. So when you, when you combine them all together, you have a lot of nations that have combined together or are in the process of combining together to fulfill biblical prophecy. That's going to be a large group of people, a very large group of people. But it's not the group of people that God is primarily interested in. He's not interested in the large groups of people. He's interested in a remnant. 
He's interested in those who will truly follow him for his purposes, for his kingdom's sake. That's what God is looking for. But how would we know who those people are? Well, sometimes it's difficult to tell for a period of time until they begin to reveal their true colors. Sometimes those colors are the LGBTQ colors, the rainbow colors. Other times they're CRT colors, critical race theory colors. There are all kinds of different colors or flags that are being thrown, uh, flown to reveal the character and the nature of what is binding groups of people together. And oftentimes, they also reveal that those groups that are being bound together under those flags are actually not bound together under the flag of the gospel. They are not part of the remnant. They're part of a group, but they're not part of the remnant. And so today, as we move forward on Viewpoint, we're going to continue to take a look at what this looks like, how it's developing, so that we can understand a little bit better about the nature of this remnant and why it is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. Now, lest you should think that that isn't really what God had in mind or what Jesus envisioned, let me remind you of the book of Matthew, chapter 7, where Jesus said, Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and precious few there will be that find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there will be that go in thereat. What was Jesus saying? He was saying that ultimately there's going to be a very small remnant, a very small remnant of people that will follow the straight way, the narrow way that leads to life. But very few will find it. Why will very few find it? Because they like the broad way. They like the way, the popular ways. They like the ways that seem to be uh, woke. They like the ways that seem to be acceptable to a broader group of people. They like the ways that are praised by politicians and by investors. They like those things. They want to be accepted and they want to be loved by people but not necessarily so much by God. You see, there is a filtering system that is taking place. It's been going on for ages past, but it's intensifying now. It's as if there is a great sieve through which humanity is being filtered, and the majority, the majority will make it out but very few will be left. Very few will be left. Jesus gave many parables talking about this. He talked about the parable of the ground, different kinds of ground in which the seed is sown. But the majority of those, the seed was only was sown on good ground, only among a very small group of people, a remnant. People like to say that there's going to be this massive revival and that the majority of the world is going to come to Christ. The Bible teaches just the opposite. The majority are not going to come to Christ, but they're going to be involved in the Great Rebellion. 
even those who purport to be following Christ are going to fall away, the Apostle Paul said. It's called the apostasy. You see, the remnant is gradually being formed. God knows who they are. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, the Lord knows those who are him, his, and let everyone depart from iniquity. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone depart from iniquity. All right, so let's take a look at what's happening, for instance, in the broader Christian church today. In this, and these things are just happening. Just last week, on Thursday, the Global Methodist Church announced a May launch and formal split from the United Methodist Church. How and why? Over LGBTQ rights. In other words, the United Methodist Church decided it would rather fly the flag, the rainbow flag of the LGBTQ group than the flag of the gospel. The formation of the new denomination was spurred by events in 2016 when hundreds of United Methodist clergy came out as gay and when a regional conference elected the first openly lesbian bishop. A vote in 2019 where delegates approved a proposal that did not fundamentally change the denomination's stance on sexuality sealed the deal. The General Conference approved an exit plan then that allows churches to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church, the largest mainline Protestant nomination in the U.S., for their stances on sexuality. Now, what is it about sexuality? This is not the culture war. This is the spiritual war, friends. It only is manifested in a cultural sense. But the foundation of it is not a cultural war. It's a spiritual war, that is being waged in the culture. And we see how many of the more prominent so-called Christian churches are playing the game, desiring more to please people than to please God. The new traditionalist denomination will reportedly receive $25 million from the UMC to get started. At least 132 churches had already disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church since 2019, and there are still more than 30,000 United Methodist churches in the U.S. What's going to happen? Well, will 50% of them split away? Probably not. Will 30% split away? Maybe, but probably not. What percentage is likely maybe to split away? Maybe 10 to 20 percent. How would you describe that 10 to 20 percent? It's a remnant. It's the smaller portion of the greater body. The greater body sees it as the most important, the most valuable, the most worthy. And this small splinter group is deemed to be not so important. Not so valuable, it's a mere remnant. But they're not alone. We know that the Presbyterian Church has gone through exactly the same thing. Presbyterian Church USA, Presbyterian Church of America, split, total split. 
over the same issues. Then we have 52 churches across eight states of the Democratic Republic of Congo have separated from the Church of the Brethren and joined the newly formed Covenant Brethren Church in response to an ongoing dispute over, guess what? The practice of homosexuality. The pietistic Anabaptist denomination is not the first to quarrel over the question of same-sex marriage and the affirmation of LGBT identities. Hundreds of congregations left the Episcopal Church after the ordination of an openly gay bishop in 2003. The United Methodist Church and the Reformed Church in America are negotiating similar kinds of splits. You see, there has to be a split in order for the remnant to be formed. Now, I'm not here to encourage church splits in that sense, because there are a number of reasons why churches split. Sometimes they split over the color of the carpet. Sometimes they split over the music. Sometimes they split over a particular pastor. Sometimes they split over a message that they that people don't think is appropriate. There are good reasons for a split. And usually those that split off are a much smaller group than those that remain. Oftentimes, then, the smaller group that splits off is a kind of remnant. Now, you might be shocked to hear this headline, but here it is. A gay Christian says LGBTers will destroy the Christian church. And he's sincere about it. A practicing homosexual Christian, I have to put that in quotation marks, because the very act of becoming a practicing homosexual is against the Bible, clearly. There's no way around it if you have a, an eye to see, an ear to hear, and a heart to understand with any degree of integrity. But if that's what you want to believe, then that's what you're believing. So he claims to be a practicing Christian, but also a practicing homosexual, and says LGBTers will destroy the Christian church. Is that possible? No, it's not possible. What it is possible to do is to create divisions, like with the United Methodist Church, the Brethren Church, the Episcopal Church, the Reformed Church, the Presbyterian Church, and it goes on and on. There's no stopping this kind of division. Why is that? It's because the people are falling away from the truth. They're deceived. The Apostle Paul told us exactly why that will happen and is happening. In, the, in Thessalonians, he said, because they love not the truth and because they take pleasure in unrighteousness. So they love something else other than the truth. And they love something else other than righteousness. They love good feelings. Can't we all get along? That kind of a thing. How can it be wrong when it feels so right? Now you light up my life. 
that kind of thinking. And it feels good. And a lot of people want to gather and uh, see the masses. And so they gradually excuse that which is untruthful and that which is unrighteous. How many mega churches have welcomed practicing homosexuals into their music departments, even placed them as worship leaders? Why? Because they were skilled in that aspect of music, but they were practicing homosexuals in radical defiance of the scripture itself. And pastors were complicit in it, still are. It's amazing. The remnant is being formed, friends. If we have eyes to see, we'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Vladimir Putin may not be anti-Christ, but he is against Christ. He's anti the spirit of Christ. We need to be able to identify the things that are anti-Christ, that are against Christ. Sometimes they come with a bold face, with lights flashing, saying, basically, I am a rebel. But most of the time, they don't come quite that way. They came out on little cat's feet, like the fog, quietly, at first at least. And that's how the remnant is formed. By the way, if you don't have a copy of my book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, you need to get it. Because this is that moment, friends, when the spirit of Antichrist is rising up, multiplying, and creating an environment worldwide, and yes, in America, yes, in your town, yes, in your church even. I don't even have to know what church it is, because this spirit is so pervasive. A spirit that is of anti-Christ, anything that is against Christ or anything he taught or preached, including the whole word of God from Genesis to Revelation, because remember, Jesus is the express image of the Father, The Bible says he changes not. He hasn't changed from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. He didn't change. He didn't change his message. He didn't change his purpose. He didn't change his holiness. He didn't change his righteousness. 
He didn't change his glory, except when he came down from glory to give you and I an opportunity to be received through salvation by grace through faith. That works through love. So, I urge you to get a copy of that book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. Uh, it's $22 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, I also want to make available to you right now Another book, uh, which I think, if we can really understand the significance of this, it will open our eyes and help us to stand in the evil day. The book is called The Secret of the Lord, The Hidden Truth That Defines Your Destiny. It's a book that I wrote several years ago based upon Psalm 2514. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And to them, he will manifest his covenant. Now, do you want his covenant manifested to you, to be made clear to you? Then we have to embrace the secret of the Lord. What is the secret of the Lord? The secret of the Lord is the fear of the Lord. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. In other words, all the promises, all the blessings... Everything that God has made available is available only to those who fear him. In other words, a remnant. Not to everybody, only to a remnant. And as you read the book, your eyes will be opened as you see that every single promise of God, including salvation itself, is predicated on the fear of the Lord. It's the foundation of everything, including wisdom itself. It's the secret of sure blessing. Don't you think we need that in times like this? The secret of sure blessing? The secret of a united heart? How to unlock the secret? Unveiling the secret? Oh, friends, there's so much in this book. It's a hardbound book. $20 hardbound book, yours for $15, on our website, saveus.org. The Secret of the Lord. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Again, if you're writing a check, at $5 for postage and handling. And if you're getting both of the books, Antichrist and The Secret of the Lord at the same time, or any other two books, you'll only pay $7 postage and handling for the two books instead of $5 each. All right, now let's go back to the statement by a practicing homosexual who labels himself a Christian declaring that LGBTers will destroy the Christian church. So the church, by the way, is what Christ is building. 
what Jesus is building. It's the community of his followers all over the world, and it can't be destroyed because he's building it. It can't be canceled by cancel culture. It can't be totally silenced because Jesus is building it. But he's not building a mega congregation the way we think of it. He's not building a massive mega church congregation. He's building a church that will trust him, obey him, believe him, and walk with him in spirit and in truth. Now, interestingly, what we in America have decided to do, Jesus said, I'll build my church, and you make disciples. But what we've decided to do American style is build churches and not make disciples. We've done a very, very poor job of making disciples. So we're a radically undiscipled nation, which means that our churches are absolutely filled with people who don't obey God. They don't even want to obey God. They just want his blessings without walking in his word, his will, and his ways. Therefore, by definition, they are not part of the remnant. Now, the problem is that the concept of the remnant is not being taught in most of our churches. Why? Because the church growth movement and the spirit of the church growth movement that began in the 1970s has prevailed throughout the country and has spread all over the world. Therefore, it's not about being part of the remnant. It's just being part of the big, massive growth. So that's what pastors are after. Today I had lunch with a pastor. Uh, he had asked to get together, and so we, we had just a wonderful time together, breaking bread together. And he shared with me that his congregation now is about a third or a fourth of what it was when I last saw him. I said, really? He said, yeah. And I thought immediately to myself, remnant. Remnant. And he made the statement to me, he said, Chuck, I've come to the conclusion that I don't want to pursue a big church. I want to build strong believers. And I'm comfortable with that now. I know what that feels like. Because those who listen to this program on a regular basis actually have, for the most part, a very sincere desire to be part of that remnant. I know that. That's why we don't have, that's why this program does not air on five or eight hundred stations like so many other programs. Because it's speaking to a remnant. We're having to leap over church walls in order to get a message to people whose hearts God is preparing to be part of that remnant. And we're seeking to encourage them, to build them up in their most holy faith, 
to woo, to warn, to prepare. That's what we do here on Viewpoint, isn't it? So here is this fellow writing, saying that the LGBTers are going to destroy the Christian church. At least that, whatever goes by the name of Christian church. So he's talking about dismantling so-called Christianity. His name is Michael, uh, Keith Michael, and he says, the Christian church is imploding on itself. Fewer and fewer people are filling its pews, at least in North America, and the leadership of the various Christian church denominations know it. And it's literally scaring them, and they're powerless to stop it. So he says, they're powerless to stop it because it's happening by the hand of God. Really? He said, in all fairness... It's not really the gay community that's destroying the church. God is destroying the Christian church, but we, the gay community, is the catalyst. Okay. He's got things upside down. What he doesn't realize is that God sees what the gay community is doing, and it actually is accomplishing the culling out of the remnant the division that is necessary. It's identifying the people who truly want to follow the Lord and those who don't. And it's a process. But the reality is that worldwide, as well as in America, when biblical standards are truly upheld in love, and that those standards forbid practicing homosexuality, when Jesus is lifted up without shame, when the Holy Spirit is allowed to move freely, then people... Uh, will come to those congregations, and they may very well grow if they're discipled diligently. So what we're really seeing here is a twist that LGBTQ is actually becoming dominant and destroying the church so that it can be reformed to become something other than what God intended. It's fascinating, this kind of reasoning, isn't it? We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Today on Viewpoint, we're talking about defining a remnant. What does a remnant look like? About, uh, oh, I'd say about 18 years ago, in Richmond, Virginia, the capital, former capital of the Confederacy, where the Lord called us to, to come to, uh, to declare his truth back from 
the East Coast to the West Coast, as it had been from the beginning, to come to the place where the cross of the covenant was first planted on these shores in 1607. Richmond, Virginia, the James River. Well, I was in a group of, a small group of pastors and leaders, and I happened to mention, just mention the word remnant in the context of this group of about 12 people. All of a sudden, one of these leaders virtually exploded. It was amazing, just exploded. He said, I despise the word remnant. We're not about a remnant. This is about getting all the people together. It's not about a remnant. Well, apparently he hasn't read the Bible. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and precious few there be that find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Apparently he hasn't read that. Well, apparently Christianity today hasn't read it either. At least not recently. I I have subscribed to Christianity Today for many, many years, along with many other magazines that I read every single week or month as they come out. What I have noticed about Christianity today is that over the past 25 years, it has become increasingly liberal. Liberal politically, liberal spiritually, and now it has embraced the spirit of wokeness. Now, this is the magazine that Billy Graham formed. Mm Mm-hmm. Billy Graham. Christianity Today. But if Christianity Today actually defines Christianity Today, we're in trouble. Because it has embraced increasingly the ways of the world, the attitudes of the world, the attitudes of wokeness, everything that pleases the culture in order to try to win the culture. An article came out in the latest issue called Repentance in Richmond. This is the town where I live. And here is the essence of the story. The statue of Robert E. Lee cast a racist shadow over Richmond, Virginia for 131 years, but now it's gone. And so they're showing the decapitated or uh, statue of Robert E. Lee. Christianity Today. Then the story is about a professing evangelical Christian glad to see the statue coming down, but feeling that it's not complete. Now, this particular person thinks that Repentance means to embrace CRT, critical race theory, in order to achieve reconciliation. The problem with that is, and I have been working in Richmond, Virginia, for the past 29 years to achieve racial reconciliation, have been some a spokesperson in many different venues, including the National Day of Prayer Task Force, but not to engage in racial reconciliation the way the new spirit of racial reconciliation is. This is to create true reconciliation, creates oneness in Christ, 
Not oneness in feelings, not oneness in color, oneness in Christ. So that we don't have to talk about race, we talk about Christ. In our congregation, about 40% of the people are black. Do we have racism in our congregation? Absolutely not. By their own admission. It's not even part of who we are. We have a different DNA. Our DNA is in Christ, not in color. Do we have different colors? Yes. We also have different levels of education. Different levels of uh, economic whatever. But those aren't the things that matter. We're bonded together in Christ, the blood of Christ and the spirit of Christ through the word of Christ. How is it that this is so difficult to understand? But here's a man, for instance, that lost his 1,300-person congregation, or a large part of it, because he decided to start preaching wokeness. He bought into the feely, touchy-feely gospel of these times and forgot that our primary focus is not on the touchy-feelies and trying to run fast and furious away from trying to offend people. No, what we should be concerned about is offending God. But today, our churches seem to be more and more interested in avoiding offending offending people than offending God. Now, there are other ways that this remnant is being developed. An American Center for Law and Justice Justices has warned an elementary school in Washington State over its attacks on the free speech rights of a student. A second grader has been ordered repeatedly to the principal's office for talking about Jesus on the school playground. And school officials even have banned gospel tracts and have been inspecting the child's backpack to confiscate them. The actions of the school officials were particularly egregious in this case because they not only violated the student's rights, but also publicly humiliated this second grader. The little girl had been sent to the principal's office no less than 10 times since January 1st for witness to classmates on the playground. She talked to other kids about Jesus, and she was sent to the principal's office. Not only were they scolding her for talking about Jesus to her classmates outside of instruction time, but they were stopping her at the entrance to the school every morning to inspect her backpack and remove any Christian tracks. You know what this is doing? Creating a remnant, friends. A remnant from the broader society. You and I are not called to become like the world or to be like by the world. We are called to be outside the world, in the world, but not of the world. If you are in the world, but not of the world, you will of necessity increasingly be part of the remnant. Not because you're trying to be nasty, 
Not because you're trying to make a point. Not because you're trying to be weird. Just because you're trying to follow the Lord. In another instance, a lawsuit has been filed on behalf of a 14-year-old Christian student in Florida based on his description of a concerted campaign by classmates and their parents to falsely portray him as a violent wannabe killer with access to knives and guns. The lawsuit was in U.S. District Court on behalf of Nicholas Ortiz against Matter or Mater Academy. Ortiz, a practicing Christian, 14 years old, regularly brings his Bible to school to read during the free time. For this activity, the complaint alleges that Ortiz has regularly been ostracized and targeted for his beliefs by fellow students, staff, and school administrators. Now listen to what they did. The complaint cites various examples of students harassing Ortiz, including planning to physically assault him, a science teacher humiliating him for his faith in front of his peers in a classroom setting, his peers creating false and defamatory statements claiming he was planning a school shooting to disparage him. He's experiencing something that no American should ever experience. But friends, may I suggest to you that if you follow Christ, you will increasingly experience this kind of ostracization. It's part of of being part of the remnant. The remnant fabric at a fabric store is cast aside, considered to be nothing, considered to be almost worthless. And that's how true followers of Christ are increasingly seen to be. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you? Why do you think you should be different than your master? But this is what's happening. A Wisconsin professor was abruptly suspended after he criticized his Christian University's woke criteria for selecting its new president. Dr. Greg Schultz was immediately and indefinitely suspended from his classes at Concordia University, Wisconsin, and was banned from campus by the interim college president on February 18th. They told him to recant in a memo that they never even gave him. In other words, they told him that he had to take back his position as a professor, as a Christian, who was declaring his concern about wokeness in the school. The public interest law firm that took his case has never heard of a professor being booted from campus for publicly expressing his opinions. Are we being told that you have to mute your Christianity so that it conforms to these ideologies of niceness and all of that? If so, that has a chilling effect on not only academic freedom, but also on the Christian conscience. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod which has authority over Concordia, Wisconsin, gave the university's candidate a list from which to select a new president, and Schultz was one of the 11 candidates. The university's board of regents, however, decided to disregard the synod candidate, the synod's candidate list, and began a new search looking for a candidate with a commitment to social justice, in other words, wokeness. Schultz criticized the university's board of regents for 
publicly announcing their determination to have a president who exhibits a demonstrated belief in and commitment to equity and inclusion who promotes racialized diversity in all its myriad forms. According to the Federalist, the university, listen to this, has a $107 million annual budget and receives substantial income from federal student loans. Accreditation, which is needed to accept those federal loans, mandates racial policies that conflict with Christian teachings, says the Federalist. Now, dear friends, if you are part of an institution, Christian or otherwise, that purposes to receive federal funds, you have already submitted yourself to an authority contrary to the scriptures. That authority, that federal authority, can keep you from doing exactly what Jesus said to spread the gospel can keep you, order you, because of the money involved, can tell you basically how to run your school, how to run your business, how to run your nonprofit. And schools and churches and ministries are succumbing hand over fist to receive federal largesse. Friends, those groups are not becoming part of the remnant. They are becoming part of the world. By their own choice, as Jesus, as the scripture says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Thanks for joining us. I hold this, hope this, is, this discussion has been helpful today. The concept of a remnant I don't know about you. I don't want to purposely isolate myself from people, but I want to go hard after God. I hope that's you. Become a partner with us, friends. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Do it today. Don't delay. It's getting tougher and tougher out there. Let's prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.